Because remember, Supermarket Love made that like nice, soft piano version of our theme music. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, because that's I... fade, fading out now. Maybe that music's playing and it's fading out, and now we're talking over it. Yeah, Wouldn't that be lovely. That'd be lovely. I, I heard it when tone. I was doing the cut for the the stupid American politics one that we did recently. But yeah. I was like, no, we can't use that. It's too nice for this it's terrible too nice. topic. No, you need but to now, save that. And here we are. Yeah, look at that. So relaxing. So so. You know what I'm actually going to do as well. This is this episode here is a politics free zone. I'm just going to open up. Oh, no. Oh, and just throw politics out the window. Steve, just no politics here in this space. This is a politics free zone. I vote for that. Yeah, because uh, politics lately, oh, that's a source of stress. And that's no bueno for your mental health. We will talk about that part of it, though. <laughs> How to deal <laughs> yeah, with a little politics. Bit of that part. But yeah, but like, no, this is, this is for if you, anyone who heard our last episode um, with, with Brezzy on uh, what our mental health, this is the second part that we, we threatened where you and I talk about our own mental health journeys in an attempt to kind of offer up our own experiences and help destigmatize the conversation of you know talking about mental health issues and you know presenting yourself as vulnerable and all those kind of things yeah because we can't normalize this stuff unless we do have these conversations and we have a platform albeit quite a small one it's worth still doing i think i want to make brezzy proud of us too yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to show up was the john cusick movie um, oh, with the, say anything with the, the boombox gonna show up our episode <laughs> go to Mullingar find Brezzy's house stand outside it with a boombox blasting this nonsense at his window then he'll finally love me <laughs> <laughs> oh so it's World Mental Health Day Steve happy World Mental Health Day happy World Mental Health Day um up top, I guess a bit of a disclaimer, like we said, we're going to chat about our own personal stories, but this shouldn't be viewed, I guess, as a guide for how listeners should handle their own. a prescription in the show notes. No, you won't. Um, yeah, this isn't, you know, there's no substitute for going and getting um, professional. from professionals. We're not professionals by any stretch of the imagination. We're just here to talk about our experiences in the hope of, you know, like we said, normalizing the conversation. But if you find yourself in a position where you you think you are in need of proper professional help, then there there is no substitute for that. Um, so that is just a nice caveat up top, just to cover ourselves legally. EMTM <laughs> can't sue us by listening to this. You promise not to sue us. <laughs> that's le- and that's and that's legally binding not for that reason if we do something else you can sue us for that but just don't sue us for that reason for this yeah for this specific for this specific thing no it's a blanket you just can't sue us for anything can't sue us sorry can't sorry your honor um we touch wood can't sue us <laughs> we both dismissed <laughs> um so i guess again, this is going to be pretty loose we don't really have any sort of structure for this this is just a this is just a chat it's just a conversation chat. But I guess to get if we were al- started, if we were allowed to drink pints, this would be in a pub. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's, that's the kind of vibe we're going for now. Um, but I guess Steve, I want to start by asking you: When did you first realize that mental health was a thing? That your mental state was something that was subject to the you know the ups and downs, like your f- physical health was. Um, that you know your mental state wasn't just a constant thing. Took a very long time. Um, yeah. probably took seeing someone close to me go and get help and admit to being sick. Mm. And whenever that happened, I was like, oh yeah, maybe that's why I've been 
that, like those times where you feel bummed out for a couple of days, it, it's almost like you don't realize that you're in that state when you're feeling low or stressed. It's only, yeah. you only notice afterwards that, oh, the way I was feeling there before isn't the normal way. And almost as if, like you say, you, like it isn't a perfect comparison to compare to physical health in terms of spraining your ankle or twisting your arm or something like that. But mm-hmm. there are some analogies to be made towards it. So yeah, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, maybe. And then once I realized that it only took about 10 years to figure out how to <laughs> to deal with it better. And that if I am bad in a couple of days, maybe th- bad for a couple of days, think about what puts you into that state and what you can do to try and avoid it next time. Yeah. What about you? Uh, s- similar, similar thing. I remember being like now looking back on it, like my childhood and my adolescence and stuff. I was definitely always an anxious kid. Yeah, same. Um, and you could see it manifest in different ways. Like I would always be extremely anxious about any sort of social event. Any Suppose sort of straight social up, event whatsoever. Like we will both get into it. We both went to doctors. They both given us diagnoses. I was called acutely anxious, I think, or acute anxiety. Right. Is what they yeah, say I had. I had. Like, I had like generalized anxiety disorder with like obsessive tendencies. Um, oh, I didn't get that deeper one. Man, I should have paid more. <laughs> Dr. Nick Riviera. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 uh, saved up some cornflakes tokens <laughs> sent off for a diagnosis. Um, no, yeah, I, I was. I guess I was always anxious in, in some way. Looking back on it, like I, I would stay awake at night obsessing over certain things in school, or um, get very fearful uh, for potential things that could happen that might never, might never not, ha- might never happen. And I think that's part of of the the my particular type of anxiety. Um, I my feelings of anxiety, worry, doubt, fear, and panic are more extreme and long lasting, and that's been the case since I was younger. I just didn't, didn't ever realize it until, uh, what age was I? I would have been twenty five or twenty six, mm, and you're forty five now. And <laughs> I'm now a hundred years old. <laughs> uh, no, when I actually went to a doctor about it, and then got referred to like a mental health professional and, you know, actually started to get adjectives and <laughs> names associated with what I was feeling. And did you, did you go to a psychiatrist? Yes. So to get specifically into it, I guess. Um, For those that don't, would be to find the difference between psychologists, psychiatrists and GPs and all that? I mean, uh, yeah, we can. Well, I think specifically people should know that like when you go to a, a GP, they are general health practitioners. They will try their best to help you and they mm. may give you drugs and stuff, but and you can go to a psychologist who are trained therapists, talk therapists and different kind of techniques like um, cognitive behavioral therapy and stuff. But mm. there are super duper doctors called psychiatrists who have, they are medical doctors. They have long degrees and experience and they are the ones who are the experts in the drugs. Mm. And also like the, the the actual medical illnesses, conditions, like the ones you described. I didn't go yeah. that far. So that's probably why. You just said you're yeah. anxious <laughs> and he didn't yeah, get like, yeah. the, the full on diagnosis. But just to say like, th- there is complexity to this as well. And mm. sometimes like to keep aware that if, if you've been going back and not getting help, maybe because they don't always, they don't always offer it as something, maybe ask to see a psychiatrist is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first protocol is usually always your GP, but you know, second opinions and, and stuff like that. Are not even second opinions. Special. Yeah. But like, so I mean, like if you're a realize, GP. Yeah, if your GP yeah. is the type of person, like I, I've heard accounts from friends like in more yeah. rural parts of Ireland where they just tell you to walk it off or whatever. You can go somewhere else and get a proper referral from from someone else. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said, always anxious all the way through. I had a bit of, um, 
in leaving cert so for your final year of Irish second level education um I was on uh, Roaccutane, which is me too. Um, me- yeah, uh, yeah. So you know about it, the medicine for um, acne, and uh, it's got a lot. Of, it's a miracle drug in terms of how it can clear up your skin because it's very bad acne. But there's a lot of there's a big huge book of side effects that they give to you um, when you when you start taking it. Yeah, and one of them is like it can really affect your your mental health and cause depression and, and that kind of stuff, and that exacerbated all of the anxieties I had in my youth that were kind of just bubbled below the surface. Um, and that compounded with doing leave insert and all that kind of led to my first panic attack. And I think that was when I realized, okay, no, this is like a, th- a thing. This is a thing. Um, and I, I kind of, sad to say at the time, I didn't try seek professional help at that time. Um, you were a kid. Yeah. And I was lucky enough as well, I should say, I was lucky enough to have like the most supportive family in the world and like good friends and stuff. So I did have structures there to look after it. Um, but yeah, like you said, I was a kid and I guess in Ireland as well, and Brezzy mentioned it in our interview. It's a very kind of like, a, historically, there's a legacy of, you know, being a bit repressive emotionally, yeah. especially among young men. Um, and so there wasn't necessarily this culture of, you know, you can go talk professionally or you can go get these things dealt with. There's the initial reaction is always like, oh, I'll bury it. And, you know, it'll, it'll go away. Drink. Um, yeah, which is, which is not good. And it wasn't until um, late, later on when the catalyst for, for me actually going again help was when I had moved to America and Kate was living with me there as well. And then... But just the way things shook out with visas and stuff, Kate had to leave before I did. Um, so when we came home for Christmas one year, Kate was coming home for good, but I was going to end up going back to America for another few months to kind of finish up and um, to kind of like pack up our lives over there and then come back to London. Um, but the thought of going back to America without her uh, just kind of was a catalyst for a lot of the stuff I'd been building up inside of me for years and years and years again from not like ever talking about it properly and I just had a bit of a breakdown when I went over there by myself and I had to take time off work and then I went to a GP and they immediately referred me to um psychiatrist and that's when I got the diagnosis and I got prescribed medication which was a godsend and it's medication that I've been on on and off ever since and it's really helped me kind of regulate and take care of, of my mental state. And it's not like it by no means it's, it's, we've talked about it on podcasts all over the place, but I still deal with it. Like we were just talking before we started recording, this was a really rough mental health week for me. Um, I've gone back into therapy here in London. Um, so it goes up and it goes down, you know, just cause you're taking medicine doesn't mean it's, you know, gone forever, helps you manage it. But it is a, it is a project. It's it's a it's a continuum. It's it's your brain chemistry, isn't it? It's like yeah. you've been dealt these cards. It's not necessarily something to cure, which is why it's not the same as physical ailments. It's something that you need to manage, manage. and live, learn to live with as best you can. Yeah, acknowledging exactly. there will be ups and downs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But the, there is no comparison between how it felt when I kept it locked oh, yeah. up. And how it feels now, even though I had a really rough week last week, I had a therapy appointment that helped and I have 
you know, I'm able to talk to Kate about it and I'm able to talk to like, you know, you about stuff and I'm able to talk to our friends and stuff, and my family. And there's no, there's no comparison <laughs> between the way of dealing with it, this way of dealing with it and the way I used to deal with it. No comparison whatsoever. Um, how about you? Like, like I just gave a bit of a brief history there of mine. Um, do you want to talk maybe about your experiences? Yeah, I guess similar things. I was always a very anxious kid, young man, always overthinking things, worrying about things. I guess, I don't know, either the way my brain is structured or the way I was just the people that I copied as I was growing up. But um, I was usually all right. There'd be bad days and stuff. And like, depending on mostly I'd be reacting to life circumstances, as you said, like different things happening and stuff, dealing with them better and not sometimes. But I got dealt a couple of bad cards a few years ago when my dad got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Yeah. Um, that was kind of took the wind out of my sails quite a lot. Uh, I was living with my dad at the time as well. So it was like, I was entirely surrounded by what was going on for the couple of years as it was happening. And just spoke in context, my dad was 56 when he died. He got diagnosed when he was 54. He was a big physical manly man with yeah. a big beer belly, like did a <laughs> physical job, loved working, loved driving, loved pints, loved shouting, loved doing all the big manly stuff. But mm. whenever pancreatic cancer is the worst cancer left pretty much, apart from maybe a couple of the brain ones, but <laughs> it's yeah. not a comp- It's not saying that it's a competition. I'm just saying this is the one that people still use in future shows as the one that can't be cured. <laughs> so yeah. it, it really, it really hits you. And then chemotherapy is awful stuff, what it does to you. I mean, it is, I think in a couple of, in about a couple of decades when we've developed better treatments and stuff, we're going to look back at chemotherapy as being, I know we had to do it, but oh God, why did we do it? It's basically yeah. you're throwing all the poison at the body and it, it really, it, reduced him into something else that I, that I did, I wasn't prepared for and didn't want to see that happening to someone that was so close to me. Yeah. Um, coupled with, I was in a bad relationship. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't with someone that I was happy with. I was kind of, I, I, it was a roller coaster of a relationship, both because of the person of who I was married to and also because of just not, I wasn't strong enough in myself to be able to put boundaries and barriers at times when I should have. So we kind of fled along. And then whenever I guess I was able to hold it together up until whenever my dad went. And then whenever I was low, weak and vulnerable, I just wasn't able to deal with the two of them at the same time. And it manifested in like mini panic attacks. I don't even think like I had a full on like diagnosable panic attack, maybe like the ones you've experienced. I never Mm. like had the proper shortness of breath or, or fainting or anything like that. It was just, I, I would be like really overwhelmed over no, things that you shouldn't get overwhelmed about yeah. or you should be able to deal better with. And that's what, like I had, I had said to, to um, Patricia and my mother as well, that like if, if who knew I had these tendencies that if I had got overwhelmed when my dad was sick, I would go to a doctor. So I did. And they're immediately like, okay, well you probably have acute anxiety disorder and it's just been building up and these things are triggering them. So here's loads of drugs, mm. which I didn't have the same experience with you with the drugs. I actually don't think they were as helpful. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm at fault here as well because they said, well, I will give you drugs because there is probably something physical there, but you should also go to talk therapy. And I guess they were kind of hinting at um, cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy is, is specifically. Yeah. Things which we can talk about a bit later. I don't know. Have you done it yourself? Uh, I've, I've done, I haven't gone. I, yeah, I have done some. I have. I'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah, yeah um, it is a very helpful practice to a lot of people and it probably would have helped me a lot more if I had given it a proper go, but I didn't. Like, I, I, 
I just didn't want to, I think. Mm. But anyway, um, I had lots of side effects with the drugs. They, I like you list, you, you read the list of side effects and I got like half of them and then they had to change the drug. And then I like, for some reason, my body got really quickly addicted to the drugs. So if I forgot to take mm. them for a day, I would get massive side effects within six hours. It was awful. And it would like, yeah. it would almost be worse than the feeling of not being on them. But whatever, that's what they were. They were there. And then um, I, my dad passed away. I went into a pretty low, dark place, but then I started going to proper talk therapy and was talking for a, for a while with um, loads of different sessions and started to realize that I wasn't, I didn't have any ability to stand up for myself in personal situations. I didn't have um, boundaries is what it was described. And like, it's a very mm. casual thing that people throw around in conversation all the time, your boundaries and, you know, all these things. Yeah. You need to know where your line is and stuff. But I, it was such an alien concept to me that I actually had to get the therapist to explain it to me four times before I finally clicked as to what she meant specifically in terms of like how it affects your life. So then I started mm. to go, oh, okay, maybe I should start standing up for myself more, including my relationship, which... Mm came to a head and I realized, no, it's not going to work. I'm not happy here. I just need to end it and be, be brave enough to take what would be a very difficult situation to go through that temporarily for medium to to long-term game. And to be honest, that really was the catalyst that helped me get over my big hump. And I've been so much better since then. Like, yeah, um, you've been, there's, yeah, I I remember that period (laughs) and I remember like what, you know, our conversations were like then and, you know, just hanging out whenever I was back home and hanging out with you in person versus now more recently. Um, there is no comparison. Yeah. You've done a great job of, of overcoming all that. So um, I guess the lesson that I want to try and share with people from my situations and Brezzy actually alluded to this one as well. Do you remember in the, in the, in the conversation of the last episode, Brezzy was talking about meeting his friend at a funeral mm. and saying that he had gone to, to seek help from all the different, he had lost his job, lost his, I think his partner, lost his, lost loads of things and gone to see mm. a doctor and they're like, oh, so what happens? And he just goes, oh, I got a big bag of drugs. <laughs> yeah. Because that's like GPs are general practitioners. When you, when you, when someone in distress goes to them, they, all they can do is help them as best they can. So they're like, well, I can give you some drugs to help you over the line. And I, I just because of the clinic I was going to, I seen like three or four different GPs in the same thing, but only one of them was kind of cautious about doling out the drugs. He was like, well, are you really sure you should be increasing them and stuff? Like maybe there's other reasons why you're doing this. And I was like, no, just help me. So, yeah. so he did. Yeah. Like, I can't really blame them for that, but I wasn't given enough warning about how hard they are to come off them for certain people. Mm-hmm. Like I was properly full on addicted to them. It took, I decided to come off them, let's say in June. And it took me up until November to actually properly get off them. Yeah. Because I had to wean them down. I had to, like I used to take, you know, the capsules, the the ones with the little beads, I used, but then I had to find hard versions of them so I could cut them into quarters and take it one quarter every second day to wean it fully out of my system because the side effects of trying to come off them were so so strong yeah and the side effects that were on them though it was it was worth it eventually to to finally shake them off yeah that that is an important um important thing to point out is that the drugs are it's they're never going to be this again we're not professionals but they're it's it's true they're not going to be the sole cure for anything for like but, mental health disorders i mean for the, like this kind of stuff perhaps yeah for circumstantial yeah. stuff and then but maybe like i could have been someone different who actually had the acute anxiety disorder or like or or like at an even more pronounced one than what i might have and if i'd gone to a psychiatrist they could have given me a particular drug to help but 
yeah well, yeah and well, I, well, I guess i mean more so is that it's very rarely like in it on its own yes the, the, the solution there's always something either like um like we said cognitive behavioral therapy or talk therapy or so, some form of just like helping you process because it is it is a cognitive function you need to be able to like you know, talk through it and figure out why you're feeling that way so you can rationalize it and you can figure out when your brain is kind of tricking you. Or that's what happens. Mental health is incredibly tied to how difficult it is to be a human (laughs) in the modern world. So it could be that, oh, you, you, you have circumstances in your life that, that you can do things to change to, that maybe you just need help to, to realize or to figure out how to do that. Yeah. And that's why talking is so important because, you know, I think we both are, we were both late to the party in terms of going and getting the help that we probably should have, the professional help we probably should have sought earlier. Yeah. Um, But I think one of the factors that kind of did lead us to eventually take the plunge was, you know, from talking to each other and from talking to other friends who have done something similar. And the more those conversations are prevalent, the more it becomes an option for people. And hopefully the quicker and sooner you can kind of head these things off at the pass and they become, you know, more manageable. Mm. So you don't have to have your first panic attack before you figure out what a panic attack is. Um, you, you know, you, you have the knowledge is power and, you know, by learning about this stuff and getting the treatment early, you can help kind of mitigate a lot of the, the harmful side effects of it. Um, do, we want to, do we want to talk about kind of this stuff that we found that helped? Yeah. That helps and maybe other people can. Uh, other people can avail of and again this isn't like you know prescribing anything it's just this is stuff this is more kind of like day-to-day stuff um that can ha- that can help just in general even if you're not feeling like you have a, a diagnosable like mental health condition this is just good it's kind of the equivalent of um if going to to a mental health professional is the equivalent of like going to a doctor these things are the equivalent for your brain these things are the equivalent of like going to the gym every day or going for a walk yeah so stuff like that, I, I, I've i talked about before, I talked about on some of our What I'm Keeping a Sane segments and other bits, but um, mindfulness mm. and meditation and, and, you know, Brezzy did a whole master's in it and has, you know, pivoted his career to be all about, you know, mindfulness intervention. But the simple act of um, being present in the moment, uh, being present with your feelings and being present with the physical sensations around you and anchoring yourself in that space to help break out of negative and harmful thought loops and feedback loops in your head has been probably, if I could point to one single thing, the most beneficial outside of like therapy and the bigger kind of, um, the bigger kind of moments, being able to practice mindfulness on a, on a daily basis helps me interrupt because the thing with me and my anxiety disorder is that I pictured worst case scenario. And I remember always doing this as a kid where I would think of, you know, regardless of what the situation was, but I would kind of extrapolate out, okay, what if this happens and then this happens and then this happens and before I know it, the world's over. And I constantly did this and it was, I tricked myself into thinking, no, this is like self-preservation. If I can plan for the worst possible scenario, then I'll be prepared for it. And I thought it was a good thing in my head and I did it for years. Jokey analogy, but then, you know, following that, that rationality will lead you to get loads of guns and hide in a bunker. And, you know, those guys are obviously the paragon. Of mental health. <laughs> but exactly, exactly. But in the time, it's like, no, I need to prepare myself for like, if this does happen, I need to ruminate on it and think about how I'll deal with it. But the reality is you're spending hours of your day. Wired. Just with, anxious. Wired. And full your of adrenaline. Head 
Yeah, and your head is in the worst possible headspace because you are li- you are living in that negative worst case scenario because you're trying to plan for it. Um, and I do that over and over again. I still do it to this day. Um, but being able to practice mindfulness helps break you out of those loops because it's a feedback loop. You think about these things, you get anxious. You're you've got physical manifestations of that anxiety, maybe sweaty palms, your knees are shaking, whatever. Um, knees weak. Mom's spaghetti. spaghetti. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and then that, you know, goes into your head and you go, oh, I'm, my body's being anxious. And then it just compounds on the anxious thoughts and it just becomes a feedback loop. And being mindful, like practicing mindfulness and, you know, focusing on your breathing and the feel of the feet, your feet on the ground or the feel of your hands in your lap, that kind of thing can help break out of that. And just doing 10, 20 minutes of, you know, mindful meditation using that. And there's all sorts of apps for this now. You can like the one I use is Headspace, but you just go on YouTube and, and search for stuff or Spotify, I believe have some stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, and you don't necessarily, if you don't want to buy Headspace or, or if you don't enjoy looking at your phone, I mean, this is an ancient mm. meditative practice. It's, it's like some, over 2000 years old. Yeah, yeah. You can learn to do it. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but it's just, it's, it beca- it's very accessible now. Yes. There are great um, tools to help you do it. Yeah. Like, like Brezzy said, we're commodifying <laughs> mental health and stress and stuff. Yeah. And so, so, but the benefit of that is it's never been more accessible and the th- tools like, and they had, again, you don't have to pay for it. There's like free versions, like Headspace have a free version that you can literally just do over and over again. I did that for ages. Um, and they, but they just, they approach it like, not like you're a, a Tibetan monk, but like you're actually, you know, just a stressed out kid and, you know, the modern day and you, you never done this before. They just make it very accessible. So uh, now, granted as well, I know mindfulness is great for a lot of people, but there are certain fringe cases that it's it's not good for. I know like, that if you've, like if you're, um, I think if, if you've got like um, uh, issues with your body, um, like if you, like it's like a lot of trauma victims or accident victims mm, that maybe have certain parts yeah, of their body yeah, that yeah. are really so kind being mindfulness and focusing on your physicality like there's a lot of like focusing on the physical space and that's not good for certain people so you know look into it and see if it works for you it's not a fix-all yeah. i just know that it works it does work for a lot of people or you could be a plonker like me and find it incredibly difficult to remember to do it <laughs> that's yeah, just my I fault mean, <laughs> I well, yeah, not- it's, it's like anything it's just like good habits to get yeah into. exactly but it's, it's definitely it's definitely i think worth looking into it's a good tool to have in your arsenal um Stuff that works for other people, like we've alluded to, is CBT. Yeah. Um, I've never gone into it properly, but just from picking up like the small techniques and stuff, it's quite good for catching those negative thought loops. Yeah. Like without without going through the meditative process, you can just go, ah, 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 stop, stop it. Don't think about that. <laughs> Why are you doing that? It's about, it's about rewiring your brain, yeah. basically, to, to get it doesn't, those negative spirals. I've done a little bit of it. Um and as part of my like talk therapy, my therapist has a background in CBT. So she gave me like worksheets. So like I said, my thing was like worst case scenario, extrapolating out to the worst possible thing that could happen. And I had these worksheets that I would fill out every morning because I don't know about you, Steve, but my anxiety was always worse first thing in the morning. I would wake up feeling physically ill, like my brain was like ramping up anxious thoughts while I was waking up yeah. and then I would wake up feeling like panicky. And so I had these um, worksheets that I would work on first thing in the morning and they would, you would first of all, you'd write down what is your fear? Like what is the thing you're worried about? And then you'd write down, you get you, there's different versions for different, that different people make, but the premise is like write down the actual proof 
that this could actually happen? And, you know, what facts can you check against that? Like, what is the proof that it will happen? What is the proof that it won't happen? Um, what is more, like, look at it logically, realistically, what, w- what will happen? You know, if you weren't to think worst case scenario, realistically, what do you think happened? And you write out all these things and you're basically, it's a, it's a thought exploration of your worry. And then by the end of it, by kind of journaling it out, it lessens, it lessens the feeling of it, the mm. feeling of doubt, the feeling of worry, because you've kind of mapped it out and you've gotten it out of your head where it's constantly yeah. spiraling and onto a piece of paper where you can kind of separate yourself from it a little bit. Um, and that it's, that's very effective. And I know Kate, my girlfriend, she's, she has her own, she's had her own mental health issues, but, um, uh, CBT was incredibly powerful for her. Yeah. I've heard that the same from other people that I know that have mental health issues. It's like talk therapy, maybe the drugs, not so much, but CBT for some people just seems to be a real, a real help. Yeah. It's also, it's also worth, actually, I want to, I want to talk about one thing that I've learned quite a lot from my current girlfriend. Um, she, sorry, I'll say that again, current girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Something I want to talk about actually, and I've learned a lot from my girlfriend. She, she is a therapist. She's an occupational therapist. Um, so it's a different kind of therapist, but she would be quite surrounded by all these things and has worked in mental health field before. Um, mm. Like we're, in terms of like the broad strokes, mental health practitioner business, we're still living through the after effects of it do- being dominated by Freudian therapy. So without going too big into it, this is the one where you're on the armchair with some guy with glasses, with a notepad, and you're talking about your dreams and all these things. Mm. And Yes, it is because you want to have sex with your mother and all these kind of things. <laughs> um, so like that wasn't a, an incredibly scientific method, but it got, became really prevalent as the way to do it. And a lot of people are like, oh, the only way to fix these things is to completely engross yourself in your traumas and problems and delve into them. Mm. But, but. A, lot of, a lot of evidence is now showing actually to a certain extent, grabbing onto your traumas doesn't necessarily help. There is something mm. to be said for learning how to compartmentalize them and mm-hmm. not not ignore them, but learn how to live with them rather than try and beat them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's where like some people may not fully get at it, like talk therapy and things like that. That's where like going to CBT and learning mindfulness and kind of just moving on with things can be better to learn how yeah. to not dwell too much with the problem. Yeah. And and. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and it's all very relative per person. Um, I know people who've gone to try and find talk therapists, and they just didn't, you know, click with the therapist sure. that they got matched with. And they had to go find someone else. Yeah, and then same with like medication. Took me, same took me three actually. Um, did I tell you my first one was a priest? <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. yeah, I went to this guy. He was grand. He was great. He was an interesting dude. He was like an old fella talking about philosophy and stuff. And I don't like calling things mental illness. I like saying despair I'm like alright <laughs> and then for whatever reason I googled him which original sin can we attribute this <laughs> well, to well this is it you see in fairness to him he wasn't spouting Catholicism and stuff and then I only mm. found it out because I decided to google him after a few sessions and then found out he was a priest and used to be principal of a school and was all these other things and then I was like mm. are you a priest yes how do you know the internet oh god the internet and he's like well to be honest I don't really use it in my in this work I would only like it would only come up if you told me you were going off for an abortion <laughs> I was like alright right. <laughs> still why am I paying yeah. you for something I can get for free down in the chapel <laughs> yeah yeah like I said it's it's it. you know it's it's a process and you gotta figure out and you know it, it it's not gonna get fixed overnight you talk to people you get referrals you 
maybe try medication you maybe have to change the dosage maybe you try cbt maybe it's mindfulness maybe there's just there's a lot there it's a long journey but it starts with it's never going to end as well people <laughs> yeah that's, that's you, that not, sounds very dour the way you said that i didn't mean it to be like yeah you know the school no, of you're life right. i'm a big advocate for the school of life actually i mean i know a lot of people don't like them because they're trying to commercialize a lot of this stuff but like not you know fine people need to make a living and your man, I laid the, the bot on a lot of people think he's a bit of a twat, but <laughs> I think he's great. And I think his school is great. And his idea is that like, we should have, we should have an actual physical school of life that people go to for lessons on how to be humans and deal with their emotions for their entire lives. You could have something mm. on how to deal with anger, a six week course that you'll, you'll have 14 year olds sitting beside 87 year olds, just because you're old and supposedly wise doesn't actually transfer into actual wisdom. Like people of all ages and experience could have managed to make it this far without properly learning how to deal with their feelings and still be pretty fecked up. And that can, you know, lash out and not be nice people to be around. That's what, that's what I meant to say when it doesn't end. Like Mm. a lot of these things come down to how it is living as a human in this world with these brains, with these crazy monkey brains that have to deal with all this crazy stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, our brains are fucking miraculous when you think about it. Um, we don't, so it does we probably know, we don't appreciate them enough <laughs> we know more about space than we know about how our brains work <laughs> yeah um like it's crazy that the brain can be self-aware of the fact that there's something up with the brain like all of this stuff that we're talking about now <laughs> your arm like, isn't like oh i'm sore it's like shut up arm <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love that the the um the joke the brain is the most important part of the human body dot 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 According to the brain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, heart, whatever. Yeah, you used to be number one. Make way for brain. But yeah, look, it, it is an ongoing thing. And the um, another example of that, the, I told you about doing Headspace um, and they've got different packs for different, you know, things that you want to process and deal with and learn about. And I'm doing one on anxiety. I've done it a few times, um, but I'm, I'm redoing it again. And that has elements of CBT combined with mindfulness in it. But one of the things that, the, the guy always mentions at the start of the meditation is that um, this isn't about getting rid of anxiety. Anxiety is part of the human experience. So so are all of the feelings we have. And it's not about getting rid of them. Sure. Um, you will be mitigating you, them. You will feel scared. You will feel sad. Things are going to yeah. happen. And it's, and it's important to like, these feelings are there for a reason. And yeah. it's important to have, a, you know, all these things, but in balance, it's just about um, how you, what's your relationship with them. Yeah. Um, and it's about making sure that, you know, you can still, thrive and you can still be you um and these feelings don't ever get to the point where they're so overwhelming that you're no longer being your true self and i think i think that's it it's it's a it's there's no switch you can flick there's no pill you can take and there's no what (laughs) for fuck's sakes richie you told me you were going to tell me the figs you You told me you were going to give me the button I'll install it in your temple later on. Just <laughs> on the happy Steve, sad Steve. Turn it off for thirty seconds and turn it back on again. Yeah, um, but no, there there is there is no button. Um, no. But there is you know there is other people, and there is help out there. Yeah, we and, actually and these we have all exist. We've alluded to it, but you, like talk. Yes, when you're in a time of crisis or you think that this is an ongoing thing you need help with, go to a professional. But when you're feeling down, talk to your mates, talk to your family. Yeah. Don't be afraid to tell them. Yeah. And also be open to people coming to you with their problems. Yeah. Look around because it's, it's sometimes it's, sometimes it will be immediately obvious, but sometimes it won't. Like all this stuff, like Steve, you went through some of the worst stuff someone can go through in their life. Um, 
but you did it all the while we were doing this podcast and you know li- our listeners wouldn't have known only missed one episode um, and then no one noticed yeah they thought it was yeah, the best exactly. episode ever <laughs> no it wasn't <laughs> um but no yeah no one would no one would have noticed um that you were going through all that stuff you know you came on and you were your jovial self and that's kind of uh, you know, that just kind of goes to show that you don't really know what's going on in someone's head or you don't really know the journey they're on. Um, and sometimes it requires a little bit more awareness and mindfulness to just kind of keep an eye out for the signs. Sure. That someone might be going through something. Yeah. But also it, you don't have to like, you know, format this one properly. Like you don't have to, you don't have to go looking for your friend's problems. Sometimes people may not want to talk to you about something and that's okay too, but just be yeah. open and be let them know that if they want to you can be the, you can give them space to do it yeah exactly i think we're very lucky with our friend group we're all very fucking amazing bunch of people good at that stuff yeah we're, we're blessed except for like, that one guy a, oh he knows who he is they know who they <laughs> no, are there's not there's not <laughs> um like i was on a group thread with uh keen and jer and they're chat like i said had a really rough mental health week anxious week last week and we're on a thread and they were chatting about something and i literally just went hey guys i'm having a really rough time anxiety do you mind if we not talk about this particular thing because it was kind of setting me off and they're like just yep great no problem do you want to talk do you want to hang out do you want to like just a stream of support and that's because and that didn't happen overnight that's because over the course of a few years we've built up this understanding that we you know we're open about this stuff that we're allowed be vulnerable to each other um and we now know how to respond in kind and it's because we started having these com- these kind of conversations and we started making them a part of the DNA of our friendship. And I, I think, yeah, one of the single best things we ever did was was doing that and could not recommend it enough. So everybody has to be friends with Keen and Jerry now? Everyone has to. No, they're my friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dibs. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. you know, re- reach out to your network. Um, the, like, the, I... I, I don't know what I'd do without you, Steve. I don't know what I'd do without the guys. I don't know what I'd do without my family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, and Kate as well, who's sitting behind me back there. Don't know what I'd do without her. Um, and I wish everyone could have the kind of support structure that I'm lucky enough to enjoy. Yeah, I've been incredibly lucky as well. Like, yeah, anytime I've tried to go, anytime I went to anybody who would help anyone close to me, they were immediately open, caring, and supportive. Very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, just a pair of lucky boys. And I got dogs. Dogs are great too. You should get a dog. Oh, God. You'd be God, fine if you had a dog. That's what I'm missing. I'd have no problems whatsoever in my life if I had a dog. <laughs> I'm kidding me. You'd see me and I would be shaved head. Zed, really floating, calm, just zed, levitating with your legs folded. <laughs> that's how you want a dog, dog in my lap. <laughs> you take the dog off my lap, I crash into the ground. Ah, look. Um, so yeah, hopefully this. I don't know if this, like, if one person found some benefit in this, I think it was worth it. Um, we'll include some links in the show notes for extra resources if you're looking for somewhere to get started. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, the best thing I could say, the best way to get started is just having the conversation with with a person, with one person, someone you trust. Mm-hmm. Just go from there. And I think that's it, Steve. I think that's it. Oh, did you hear that? The nice music's back. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, it's relaxing. No? I can't remember how it goes. <laughs> it's like our music for more chill. Doodly 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 do
just as you're talking now, I'm just going to fade you out. I'm going to fade me out and let the music swell. You can try to say something, but you know, it's not going to come through. Something. Um. 